Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. This is your number one football show to bet the over. I'm your host, your quarterback, your man, David Mendelson. I'm here with my wide receiver X today, John Manetten. How's it going, buddy? What's good? What's good? What's good? So, uh, what flavor Quest protein powder did you order the other day? Cookies and cream. Oh, uh, so you listened to my recommendation? Yeah, and you can send that uh, that text message to Quest and ask for more money or something. I will. <laughs> I, I probably won't do it, but I'll try anyway. Um, and we also have lined up in the slot, running across the middle, probably going to get smacked. Eric Mendelson, what's up, E? Wow, way to just set me up for that uh, blindside hit, David. <laughs> How was your lasagna and garlic bread last night? Oh, it was awesome, man. Had more for leftover today. You missed out. It's a lot of carbs. Yeah. (laughs) And joining us today, our guest. He's the deputy editor of sports betting for ESPN.com, and he's a big Miami Dolphins fan, which I somewhat apologize for. Uh, He's at ESPN on Twitter, we welcome in David Behrman. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, looks like you guys have a lot of fun on this thing. Happy to be a part of it. Oh, yeah, man. We, we're all about fun here. We like to give good fantasy advice to everybody that listens, but if we don't do it in a fun way, man, we might not do it at all, right? Exactly. Got to have fun with what we're doing. You're talking sports for a living. It's a good job. <laughs> David, so, we know you're loyal because you're a Dolphins fan. Yes, I'm definitely a loyal, born and raised down there. I've had my season tickets in the family since Shula's first year. Still have a pair of tickets whenever I'm allowed to go back down there. Uh, parents are still down there. Every time they play Jets, Giants, and Patriots up here, I go, and even as far as Philadelphia and, and D.C. Big fan. Um, probably too big of a fan, if you know what I mean. Well, I want to first say that I am the biggest Ryan Fitzpatrick fan, and, and I'm speaking because I'm a Chiefs fan. And he single-handedly is what won us the Super Bowl by beating the Patriots in Week 17. So I was thinking about ordering a Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey. So I, I hope you're as big a fan of him as I am. Uh, that's a big part of the week because if the Dolphins can't win the Super Bowl as long as we uh, stop the Patriots from winning the Super Bowl. And I remember that game because I had a lot of Dolphin fans who were part of the tank for two a phenomenon. And they were really ticked off that the Dolphins won. I'm like, do the math. They're still going to get two At the end of the day, it didn't matter because of everybody else. Um, but you, just, you stopped Tom Brady from winning another Super Bowl, so goodbye, me. And speaking of Tua, you guys did tank and get Tua. I know we spoke a little bit about it off air. How do you feel about Tua being the face of the franchise going forward? Uh, I was all in on that. I know I, the fan base was about 70-30 for it. I was, listen, the Drew Brees fiasco from many years ago because we were scared of a of an injury, whether it was right or wrong. He didn't want to do that again. Um, everybody wanted Tua. He was a consensus number one pick before the injury. Yes, Joe Burrow, great season. 
tap, you know, take your cap off for him. He's going to be a great NFL quarterback. At the end of the day, you know, ever since he came in in the national championship game, his talent has been unbelievable. He's a once in a generation talent. And healthy, the Dolphins have a franchise quarterback for the first time since I was a kid growing up watching Dan Marino. If people your age remember Dan Marino. Well, I, I will actually ask. Well, luckily, I, I didn't watch him play, but I definitely know the name. And I, I've obviously watched highlights and, and, of course, know all about him, his statistics. Do you think Tua starts week one? No, Tua's not going to start week one. One, for medical reasons. And two, you have no reason to rush him because you have the aforementioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you didn't have a quarterback out there, plus um, I look at the schedule, I look at every game and, and break it down. The Dolphins have a very, very difficult first six games of the season. And then afterwards, they have a, a six-game stretch where they arguably could win all six. So if I'm running the Dolphins, I'll let Fitzpatrick out there. To try to, it's a very, very tough slate at the beginning of the season. Hope they go two and four, you know, one and five, two and four, maybe three and three at best. It's a pipe dream. And then you're like, all right, let's turn the keys over to, to the rookie. And then you go out there and you play the Bengals, you play the Jets twice, you play Arizona, and you play both LA teams. And you have, a, you have an opportunity to have six not predicted playoff teams that you can play with Tua at your quarterback. And all of a sudden it's Tua mainly. You have one five out of six. There are 500 teams. Maybe that's how you end the season, but – that's when I would turn the keys over to him. I like that. It, and speaking from you being a Dolphins fan, I, I think you have a better kind of inside track of how the think will go than any of us could guess. So I'm, I'll be excited to watch him. Who knows if there's injuries along the way, if it's Patrick can get hurt in week one. Who knows? Maybe Tua has the greatest training camp in the history of the world and they want to start him. But all things being equal, I would, I would start with Fitzpatrick and then work Tua in there when the schedule gets easier. I like that. And, and – we we are talking a lot of Dolphins, which uh, I won't get viewers confused. This will be the NFC West preview. We wanted our man just to talk a little bit about the Dolphins because I feel like they have not gotten a lot of love this offseason. But we are going to do, in the huddle today, we are talking about the NFC West. We're going to give a preview of each team in the division's top rookie, their fantasy hero, their fantasy zero, and sleeper. And after we have our team previews, we have our question of the week, high-stepping into the end zone. What is the NFL's best jersey of all time, past or present? And finally, our game of the week we will reveal at the end of the show. But first, let's get to our news and notes. News and notes. Dak Prescott is expected to sign his franchise tender today, which I, in the last hour, actually just received that he did sign his tender. It's a lucrative long-term deal that he's still seeking, but he's going. He just signed his thirty-one point four million dollar franchise tender, according to NFL Network's Jane Slater reported on Sunday. According to those familiar with the situation, as well with all franchise tags, the two, the two sides have until July fifteenth to agree on a long-term deal. While the future beyond this upcoming season we will still need to be worked out, Prescott inking the tender means he's obligated to report to training camp on time and cannot hold out. Prescott played out his rookie contract this past season and has never missed a game, and he started 64 games so far to begin his career. So coming off a career season, and Dave, I'm going to start with you. If you're the Cowboys, what do you do beyond this season with Dak Prescott? 
Well, you're not going to want to pay him $37 million next year, which is what the franchise tender is going to be. If he plays on the $31 million, he's going to get 37 next year. And because of what's going on right now with the, the, with the COVID-19 and losing money, the salary cap projected to go down next year, but that's not going to affect what Dak can get paid. He gets 120% of his 31. So you're looking at a smaller salary cap and a $37 million slot for a quarterback um, they can't pay him then. So if they're going to keep Dak Prescott, they got to sign him to a long-term deal. If they don't think he's worth it, they got to get rid of him or cut him or cut him. But you, you cannot afford to pay him thirty-seven million dollars. John, what about what are your thoughts on the situation? Uh, if I'm Dak, I I would just uh, like I said, not necessarily uh, go for the long-term contract because I mean their only other option is. Uh, pay you a ton of money or they let you go to somewhere you actually get to choose where you want to go, which I think a lot of people underrate how important it is sometimes to be able to pick your spot. Dak does have a lot of power and there are a lot of teams that would want him. And in today's today's NFL, which we'll get to in our next news, you can pretty much list the teams you want to get traded to. Uh, it's just a difference of the game in today's day and age. So uh, I, I will be interested to see where this goes. Eric, is there anything you want to touch on about this? Honestly, if I was the Cowboys, I'd trade him. Barring him getting to a conference championship game, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money, and you're going to have a lot of um, tied for the cap for him, Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, etc. I think Dak's an above-average quarterback. I don't think he's in the upper tier, and I think you put another quarterback with the system and the talent around him, and they could produce similar, maybe not the same results right away, but um, I wouldn't pay him all that money. Next bit of news, Jamal Adams shouts out that he wants to get traded to the Cowboys. Adams formally requested a trade last week, but a fan in the Dallas area spotted Adams in his car Sunday and shouted, you coming to Dallas? The Jet star responded, I'm trying, bro. The Cowboys have been a destination Adams has preferred dating back to last year's trade deadline. Adams did grow up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and the 2019 All-Pro has become disgruntled about not getting a contract extension and is done with the Jets, and he's trying to force his way out of New York. So the Jet Adams is signed for the next two seasons, uh, and he's under contract. If you're the Jets, what do you do? And if you're trading him, what kind of package are you looking for? So, Eric, I'll start with you with this one. I think you should trade him because I think even if you pay him, he's disgruntled. I mean, he's called the team out a bunch. I think the relationship is over. I I think when a player says that they want to be traded, the team loses leverage, um, and the team that trades for him will have to sign him. I think the most that they could get probably is a second-round pick and then a decent player. So hypothetically, if it was the Cowboys, I could see them trading Michael Gallup and a second-round pick for Jamal Adams. Because keep in mind, you will have to sign him to be the most likely highest-paid safety topping Eddie Jackson at like 14 and a half million. John, what are your thoughts? I'm just praying he doesn't go to the Ravens because that would just, I feel like that'd be the end of the season before it started, before we even got confirmation that it's starting at COVID. <laughs> oh, so you're saying since we have two guys that like to bet on the show, we we're talking, uh, are you saying you'd bet on the Ravens, put all your chips there if he goes no, to the I, Ravens? I don't want him to go to the Ravens, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Same, any team but the Ravens or Chiefs. Dave, what about you? I would take them. We're already going to have a very, very good secondary. I think it would put us over the top there. Um, you already have the best corner combo in the league. I know. So what's another one? But they're um, they're not. <laughs> Jeff wouldn't trade him to the Dolphins if 
Dolphins offer them 100 first round picks. Um, <laughs> I, the market would tell you that they can get a first round pick out of it after you watch you know, the trades made last year with Ramsey. But you, you talked to, he, he just said it a second ago, the leverage is gone since he's demanding a trade. So Jalen Ramsey, they wound up getting a couple of first round picks out of, out of it. I don't think that's going to happen with Adams because he's trying to name his team. Um, if they got one first round pick out of it, I would call it a win. We got rid of a, of a malcontent and got a first round pick. But I think what he said was pretty accurate. You'll probably get a second round pick out of it. And I would trade him. I absolutely would trade him. You never, you don't want players in your team who don't want to be there. Trust me, I've had enough of that. So you don't think that they could try to get like a Jalen Ramsey package, which is, I feel I like want, a similar. I don't think they would want a Jalen Ramsey package, but they've lost all the leverage. So I don't think they're going to get it. But that is, that's what the market paid last year. But I also think the Rams overpaid for Jalen, so. Well, t- only time will tell, and I think it's safe to say that if he is with the Jets next year, it's going to be a huge distraction, so hopefully, for their sake, they will move him, but I guess we'll find out if and when it will happen. And with the, it's more becoming more of a player's league, and the NBA does this a lot more, where if players are unhappy, the teams will, will trade them and get rid of them much easier. So you, you, you don't want to sort of hurt your prospects moving forward with other players if they think that you're not really going to serve you know, their best interest or their interests at all. Well, that's a very good point. I, I think as we were saying, like it is transitioning to more about the players and they have the power to dictate where they want to go. They're giving their trade lists and um, players are now like being like, I'll accept the trade, but only to these teams. And uh, it's, it's taking away the leverage that all these other teams actually are able to, to use and they're getting less of a return. Kurt so. flood would be proud. <laughs> With that being said, we are going to move into our NFC West team previews. The wild, wild West. And we're going to start that with the LA Rams. A year after making it to the Super Bowl, the Rams did not have a good 2019 season. This season is going to be interesting as the team looks to be going in a different direction. For fantasy football with the players on this team, there is a lot of talent. Goff threw for over 4,600 yards, but his 22-16 to touchdown-interception ratio did not help fantasy owners last season. He likely won't be drafted in most leagues and is a bi-week fill-in outside of two QB leagues. He has all the weapons at his disposal similar to last year, but isn't expected to be considered a top-12 fantasy quarterback in most circles. With Todd Gurley in Atlanta, the team now features Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown as the top three running backs. Gurley had 223 carries last season, so there are plenty of carries to go around for this group. Whether it's Henderson, Brown, Akers, or someone else remains to be seen which one will actually be getting the most work. The Rams have a two-headed monster at the wide receiver position with Cups and Woods both breaking 90 receptions and are top 20 receivers in both standard and PPR leagues. At tight end, Higby surprised fantasy owners last season with 69 catches. Nice. Center to 34 yards and three touchdowns. Backup Gerald Everett also had 37 catches last season. Higby has viewed to have top 10 tight end potential. So, Dave, you're our guest, so you're leading off first. Break down this coming season what you expect to see from the Rams, giving us their fantasy hero, fantasy zero, sleeper, and rookie of the year. Sure. You hit on a lot of it when you you went down a lot of the rosters and their weapons. And and I think you – I don't think the Rams were ever as good – as the year they went to the Super Bowl, but I also think they were a lot better than they were last year, and they're somewhere in between. 
Jared Goff obviously had a terrible rookie season, and then he turned it around to win the NFC title, and he was kind of in between last year. He's a guy that I, I think is is not a great quarterback, but he has an offense where you can put up numbers. You mentioned it as a potential bi-week replacement. I would draft him really late in the draft if the quarterback that I drafted had a bye week and Jared Goff could step in versus a crappy defense. Um, that would be the only way I would draft him because he could be good that week or to get an injury or something else or a nice matchup with a terrible Cardinals defense or something. But overall, I'm not, not a fan of his. I do think his numbers might go up a little bit because you don't have the stud of Todd Gurley back there. Sure, you have a couple of different options that run the ball. But you want Todd Gurley getting three one-touch, one-yard touchdowns a game, golf, the touchdown numbers may go up a little bit. You talked about Woods and, and, and Cooper Cup, great one-two at, at wide receiver. Um, I think Cooper's going higher than he should in most mocks. I think Robert Woods is very underrated. If you look at the numbers from last year over the last five weeks of the season, Robert Woods was like fourth in the NFL in receptions. So most people don't pay attention to the last five weeks because they're already eliminated. Or week 17, there is no fantasy. But if you were to take weeks 13 through 17, again, most people aren't paying attention if the, if, if the season's over for you. Robert Woods was the fourth best wide receiver in PPR leagues. Um, he also he dropped the ball a lot. If the ball he's only had two drops in the last two seasons. So he's a guy who's going to get volume the way the offense is designed. And as far as Cup is concerned, Cooper's always been a boomer bust guy. If he gets you 10 catches or 190 yards and three touchdowns, but then you turn around the next day and he could be a, a two for 45 guy. It's just not one of those high volume every single week guys, which is why I lean towards Wood over, over Cooper. But also because of Wood being drafted. Cooper's being drafted a lot higher than a lot of the so I would lean towards a later pick on, on Wood. But what excites me a lot about this team, and it's one of those picks that we're not going to be the only ones thinking about it. Um, so he is probably going to be overdrafted. But if the draft sets up for your league, where you have the opportunity to take the rookie and Cam Akers, I would draft him. Because the NFL has shown that they're not scared of using rookie running backs with tough legs. Guys who can catch the ball, guys who can, who can put a lot of volume out there. And there are other guys and others that can take over for Gurley. Todd Gurley had 12, 13, 1,400 yard seasons where this is a young kid. He caught a lot of balls in college, scored a lot of touchdowns in the air and on the ground. And I think he's the perfect replacement for Todd Gurley. And even if he doesn't get 100% of the carries, which he's not going to do, he's still going to be a good guy to get value out of where, hey, nobody can predict when these rookies are all of a sudden to become Dalvin Cooks of the world. But you wouldn't have thought Dalvin Cook was as good as he was his rookie year either. So I would um I would like Cam Akers as as the I think you said rookie guy and also the breakout guy. Um, um, and I would go Woods as star potential, and uh, I would throw Cooper Cup in the potential bust category. Wow, I, I, you're really down on Cooper Cup. Are, are you worried that when he's healthy, he does seem like he's Goff's go-to target? Uh, when and he's been fully healthy and on the field, that that's the guy he seems like is his first look on most of his reads. Uh, it's a lot of it there, but yeah, you're going to be the first read, which also means you're also going to get probably the, the biggest corner or safety on you. So there are going to be games where if, if they're facing a team with a strong corner, he's going to be completely shut down, and 
that first he's going to be a check down, and then and then Woods is going to be your guy. Make it go either way. It depends on the matchup. You can't go wrong with either guy. I just think with Robert Woods, you're getting more consistency. You're going to get a, a five for 75 almost every single game where, yes, the ceiling is higher for Cooper, but I think the floor is also a lot lower where you're – you're, it depends on what your league format is, and if, if they reward you for boom and bust. If you get credit for 50-yard touchdowns or multi-touchdown games, then maybe Cooper's your guy. If you're a PPR league that wants a guy that's going to get six catches a game, you saw what Robert Woods did the last five weeks of the season. So I was going to ask. Go ahead, David. David is down on Matthew Barry's little Cooper Cup. <laughs> I, know, I think I chatted with Matthew about this earlier today. <laughs> Uh, so my question then is, so as we alluded to, Tyler Higby really broke out uh, the last, the end of last season. Yep. Brandon Cooks is gone. So yep. you could say that, okay, so they, there's not any new competition in there, but you could argue that with Higby's ascension, that he essentially might become a huger piece in that offense. Do you one, do you see potentially top five <laughs> tight end potential in Higby, or is that too high for him? And no, two, do you I, I, see I, that? ruining the chance, the other targets for the other two guys. I do think Higby definitely has top five potential. I had him late last year as a, as a pickup who helped me get into the playoffs. So I'm all in on, on Tyler Higby being a top five tight end. But I've always treated tight ends differently than most when it comes to drafting, not to give away any trade secrets. But if I don't get one or two, then I'm punting until round 17. So I'm not spending a top pick on a tight end. But if you can – get Higby in the right spot. So he's just not going to be a guy I'm going to get because if he's the fifth tight end, I'm either getting one, two, or I'm getting 12. Um, I'm not getting the number five tight end, but I do think that he would be in that in that location. I'm also a guy that's seen tight ends as well. I'm going to do a matchup thing where if the guy I pick in the 16th round isn't the guy that he, that is good, I'm just going to pick up somebody else. And last year, it worked out. I wound up picking up Higby in one of my steam plays and kept him the rest of the year. But that's – that's how I treat tight ends, much like people treat defenses. I like it. And, you know, Dave, if I didn't know any better, it sounds like you're almost like a Rams fan with the knowledge you just dropped for us. I will say, I thought it was funny. We were emailing back and forth about, you know, that we're going to do the West. And you said the Rams. And I, I kind of laughed because last year I had Higby. The year before I had, uh, I want to say I had Brandon Cook. And the year before that I had Todd Gurley during his awful year. So I've had a piece of the Rams offense, and, and I was a huge Legatron fan back when we had pickers in our league. So I had Legatron every single single year. Um, there were a lot of times I was watching. I'm gonna. I knew I was gonna say it at least once, so I'll at least do it on purpose. I watched a lot of St. Louis Rams games over the days. See, Dave, it's it's that just that Dave to Dave connection. I had that intuition that you had that. So it's all up here. <laughs> Eric, let's let's go move to our next team, and I say Eric because it's his favorite team, and I know he's been waiting to talk about this team. So we've been doing all our team previews. The San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers went 13 and three last season, mostly on the back of their defense. However, the offense was good enough to put up points and should be good again this year. Jimmy Garoppolo played in his first full season and looked pretty good. Posted a 70% completion rate with almost 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns last season. The running back situation has been tough to figure out over the last couple of years. Although with the trading of, of Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert seem to be getting most of the work with the often cut Mostert the most productive, having had 137 carries for 772 yards and eight touchdowns. Coleman will figure to, to work in 
and they also have a bevy of other backs that will probably receive some work as well. The loss of Emmanuel Sanders hurts, and the Debo injury, the Debo Samuel injury, does not help. The Niners did draft Brandon Ayuk early in the 2020 draft, which should help make up for that loss. Tight end George Kittle had another great season in which he posted over 1,000 yards and five touchdowns on 85 receptions. He's the second best tight end in the league. Some consider him the best. Will cost you a second round pick if you want him. So, Eric, give us everything we need to know about the 49ers this upcoming season. All right, so uh, I'm glad that you mentioned Debo because when you didn't mention it in news and notes, I was like, that's that's a pretty big nugget right there. Um, my hero is George Kittle, um, you know, second to Travis Kelsey in terms of fantasy. Uh, he's only had five touchdowns the past two seasons, but I figure he's bound to improve on that. Um, but I will say with drafting George Kittle, prepare for some heavy run games with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan likes to change it up each week. We saw uh, against Green Bay in the NFC Championship where Jimmy G only threw eight passes. This is a run-first team, uh, but Kittle is the number one option when it comes to passing. Last year, he only had double digits two times, but he only had fewer than five targets two times. One was a Ravens game, which was a very messy field condition, and the other was a blowout against the Bengals week two. So he's consistent, but won't often give you that very, very high upside. My zero is Tevin Coleman. Um, I know that they got rid of Matt Breida, but last year, three out of his seven touchdowns came in one game against the Carolina Panthers. He had double-digit carries seven out of eight weeks from weeks five to 12, but then had 22 carries the rest of the season from weeks 13 to 17. And they did play Seattle week 17, so it was a relevant game. In the playoffs, he had 22, six where he dislocated his shoulder against the Packers, and then five. So once again, a little unpredictable. 49ers are 20th in running back targets, so he won't catch a lot of balls. And he only signed a two-year contract. This is his second year. McKinnon is coming back, and Jeff Wilson, I think, is going to steal some goal line carries. He's a so, vulture. He is a vulture. Caw-caw! But <laughs> I don't, I don't think Tevin Coleman is going to produce like people think he will. Um, my rookie is Brandon Ayuk. He was drafted as the Emmanuel Sanders replacement. Debo's now out. The 49ers traded up to get him. They actually had him rated as the number one receiver in the draft along with C.D. Lamb. He's great in space, so he's going to get the, some end arounds. He's going to get some short passes. He has an 81-inch wingspan, which would equate to someone that's 6'9". And just to put that in perspective, Calvin Johnson had an 82-inch wingspan. So they're going to throw him a lot of balls, especially where they think that only he can catch them. Are you calling Brandon Ayuk Calvin Johnson, Eric? I am not calling him Calvin Johnson. <laughs> but Herm Edwards, Herm Edwards compared him to Deshaun Jackson, which I think is a better comparison. Um, and he played at Juco before Arizona State, so he's still raw. So I think he's bound to improve, hopefully. And then my sleeper is Jalen Hurd. He missed his entire uh, rookie season. He was our third-round draft pick. He suffered a back injury and OTAs. But he still observed practice and viewed the 49ers playbook, which is very complex. He's 6'5", 226 pounds, played running back, slot receiver, and a little bit of tight end at college. So I think Kyle Shanahan is going to get creative with him. He had 589 carries at running back and only got his carries cut because Alvin Kamara got playing time at Tennessee. And ironically enough, the 49ers traded that draft pick to the Saints for Alvin Kamara. So I think that there's a little bit of bitterness on that end, and I think they want Jalen Hurd in a similar role. 
All right, Eric, my first question to you. George Kittle's most of the time going as a second-round pick, worst case, an early third. Are you going to not draft him at that price this year? Yeah, I think there's too much talent below it. And, and like David said, you can get some good value in later rounds. Mark Andrews last year, Kittle the year before that. Um, I love Kittle, but I don't want to take him that early. Okay, my next question then for you. Debo's hurt. They say he might be ready for week one, but you're never sure. And he's also coming off a serious foot injury. You have Brandon Ayuk, who's a rookie. Uh, is there any pass catcher that you're going to be like, I, I really want that guy? Like, are you are you going to take Brandon Ayuk earlier than most people because you believe in him? Or are you going to take Debo early? Is there, or do you confident that any pass catcher is worth their price in fantasy? So you mentioned it, you know, we got to the Super Bowl because of our defense. Kyle Shanahan is about playing good defense and running the ball and grinding time out. So I don't think anybody's going to step up as a wide receiver one. I actually like Kendrick Bourne. He's played in our system before. He came up a little bit big in the playoffs. Um, Just like with Debo last year, he didn't really get integrated right away. After our bye in week four is kind of when he started getting more snaps. So I think Kendrick Bourne is a late flyer that people aren't talking about that is going to get some snaps at, you know, wide receiver one um, early in the year, assuming Debo isn't healthy. And then last question on the Niners. Raheem Mostert is an ADP of about the fourth round in most leagues. Are you comfortable taking him knowing that right now he's considered the number one back in a run-heavy offense like the Niners, or are you not biting into that too early of an ADP for him? So I'll say I think – out of my entire time of being a Niners fan, Raheem Mostert has the best chance of being a bell cow back in a Kyle Shanahan offense. But if you're going to trust Kyle Shanahan with running backs, I'm going to tell you to avoid that. Um, I Mostert did get a lot of carries at the end of the season, but I also think that was partially because there wasn't film on him, on him and he's riding the hot hand. Kyle Shanahan likes being unpredictable and switching it up each week. So I do think that there's going to be some weeks where Mostert will get 20-plus carries. But I think there's also going to be ones where he gets single digits and he's not going to be the RB1 that everybody thinks he will be week in and week out. And then before we move on to the Cardinals, did they win the Super Bowl? I forget. I hate you so much, David. <laughs> <laughs> I hope See your car repairs are going to cost like- Yeah. See you were a 49ers fan? Yeah. Well, that must have been a fun one. Oh my God! There's, I've never, there's, I've never, I've never hated the world so much. There was a, there's a video of me that circulates the web of where I, I screamed at the top of my lungs throughout the game, and it's pretty embarrassing. David, did you cry during the Super Bowl? Yes or no? Yes, I'm not ashamed to admit it. If you were to scroll down my Twitter feed back to January 31st, uh, you will see a prediction that I made that was in a. I gave it to somebody to put into one of their football Super Bowl pools, and I said 31-20 Chiefs, comma, Tails. And the final score was 31-20 Chiefs, and Tails was the coin flip. So, Wow. It's there. You're a savant. Did you, did you buy a lottery ticket? I did not. I was actually over in London during the Super Bowl. I was at a betting conference in London, and I made all my bets before I went over there, not knowing if any of my apps were going to work. And the last thing I bet before the plane took off was Chiefs minus 10 and a half at 5 to 1. And it was 4 o'clock in the morning when the last touchdown for the Chiefs went through. And I couldn't even remember until my cousin texted me, holy crap, you just got your 10 and a half point cover at 4 to 1. All right, guys, let's talk about something else. 
I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next team. Good <laughs> thing Garoppolo can't complete a deep pass, or I would have eaten that one. Oh, so. no, 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 I can't yeah. hear you. David, that was a good description of his season. Eh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move. I'll save Eric his pain. We'll move to the next team. The Arizona Cardinals made a huge trade this offseason to improve their offense greatly thanks to Bill O'Brien. They now have a top five. (laughs) (laughs) They now have a top five wide receiver for their ascending quarterback, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had a good rookie season, which he threw 3,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 12 picks. In order to acquire Hopkins, the Cardinals had to, and that's in air quotes, get rid and trade David Johnson. They didn't miss him, however, as they acquired running back Kenyon Drink, who rushed for 643 yards and eight touchdowns on 123 carries. Can't forget about Chase Edmonds, who also had 60, ter- uh, 60 carries for 303 yards and four touchdowns. Fitzgerald and Kirk had 75 and 68 receptions, respectively, last season. You add the addition of Hopkins to force Murray to throw the ball more than 550 times to probably feed all three receivers. You're going to get a lot bigger production in the wide receiving department and probably a lot more in the quarterback department for this team this season. So, John, give us everything we need to know about the Arizona Cardinals. Well, uh, just to start off, uh, you brought him up. The fantasy here has got to be DeAndre Hopkins, you know, especially in a PPR league. I mean, the guy with the best hands in a pass-happy, short-pass offense, that's a lot of opportunities for catches. And even if it's, you know, Michael Thomas-like year or it's a bunch of uh, uh, eh, short ones, that's still a bunch of yards and it's still a bunch of catches. <laughs> do you think, Which, before, you, before you move on, do you think that he's going to get fed the ball as much as he did in Houston? Easily, because that takes me right to my fantasy zero. Uh, you know, I waffle between Kristen Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald just because Larry's getting a little bit older. I really don't know how much he can keep playing wide receiver and put up production, but it's just sort of the way he plays that I think he does have sort of another year in him, uh, you know, getting those 700 yards. Christian Kirk is my zero. He scares me. He's wildly inconsistent even when he was the man last year so I really don't know how that's going to work when he's no longer the top target he had some good games last year you know he had three touchdowns in a game but that was all his touchdowns for the season so uh I'm always scared of inconsistent players a la Amari Cooper and others so what's his name uh, Amari Pooper sorry (laughs) so Christian Kirk is is my zero on that one and my sleeper is Max Williams, their tight end, uh, two X's in his name, so twice the ability. Uh, but pretty much um, what could be Christian Kirk's loss with DeAndre Hopkins could be Max Williams' gain, and both of you touched on it. Tight end is really, really touchdown dependent once you get towards the bottom rung. So I really have no issue trying to take sort of a late rounder on this number one tight end in a pass-happy offense because – all it can do is pay dividends, even if it's only in you know a couple good matchups or so. And that's pretty much all you need to know because they have one offensive rookie <laughs> who they drafted <laughs> uh, running back in the seventh round, Eno Benjamins. And it's a lot to ask of a seventh rounder to try and get past Chase Edmonds and, and Kenyon Drake. Oh, Dave, I think has. Oh, um, so, uh, so John, then my follow up for that. You think Fitzgerald's the number two to DeAndre Hopkins this season? Is that correct? I, I think so just because of the way he plays. He's he's almost at his age now. He's almost suited to be like the, sort of the number one, number two possession receiver, really. Okay, so then 
what first my first question is be what kind of production do you expect to see from their number two is it going to be fantasy relevant or is it just going to be more nfl relevant that's probably more nfl relevant than than fantasy relevant even if they're pumping the numbers up you know i think deandre hopkins get the lion's share of that Kenyon drake even receives out of the backfield and stuff like that so i i pretty pretty much think it's going to be around where you know larry fitzgerald was last year where you know it's 700 yards which isn't going to lose you many games if you play him but isn't going to win you a lot either all right, Kyler Murray over under 4.5 finishes QB or next year in fantasy. Finishes? Yeah. Like, is he going to be the fourth or higher, or is he going to be under oh, the fourth highest? Okay. QB? Um, I think he's. I could see him around five or six. Uh, I'd love a QB who can scamper a little bit, so that's why I didn't even bother pretending he was going to be a sleeper this year or anything like that. So <laughs> I think he's. I think he is going to have a great year. I think you're right. I mean, I don't see him lower than six in most of the expert rankings. So I wouldn't rank him below six with his rushing upside added in there as well. So I, I think he is going to be someone that's going to be going early in a lot of fantasy drafts this year. With that being said, let's move into my second favorite team. Just kidding. That's <laughs> just another Eric's rivals. <laughs> but I, I was like, when we were doing this, I was like, I have to do the Seahawks. I have to do his rival team. No if. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all well, know each other from like high school or what? Well, Eric and I are brothers, and then John's a friend from high school. <laughs> I see so, it. I see it. <laughs> so the Seattle Seahawks added two pieces that should fit their offense nicely this offseason. The first is slot receiver Philip Dorsett, and the other is veteran Greg Olson. Both have young they have younger and more talented players ahead of them, but those two players can still put up numbers. Russell Wilson had a great 2019 season, which he threw for over 4,000 yards, had 31 touchdowns, and just five picks. While he doesn't rush as much as he did earlier in his career, Wilson improved his accuracy and his turnovers. Chris Carson followed up his 2018 breakout season with a pretty good 2019. He had 278 carries for 1,230 yards and seven touchdowns. No other player on the team had more than 75 carries, which was Russell Wilson. As long as he recovers from his hip injury in time, Carson right now is the clear-cut top running back in Seattle. Lockett and Metcalf, uh, or Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were the top two receivers in Seattle. Lockett posted over 1,000 yards with eight scores on 82 receptions, while DK Metcalf had 900 yards and seven touchdowns on 58 receptions. Dorsett can contribute as a third wide receiver this season, although I think he will have competition. They, I did I did forget to mention the Seahawks did also have Carlos Hyde, who should factor in as the number two running back for them this season. But they also have three good tight ends with Greg Olson. You remember Will Disley, who his early breakout before he got hurt. And they also have Jacob Hollister. So they should have plenty of weapons at the tight end position. All injury-prone tight ends. No bias from you there at all. So let's start out with the rookie of the year for them. Running back DJ Dallas, who I've tweeted at multiple times to come on the show, has ignored me, but I'm going to forget that. And I don't want any Seahawks. So he's a <laughs> he's a fourth round pick out of the Miami Hurricanes, and I get it. Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are currently ahead of him right now. Chris Carson, one, has shown he's been injury prone, having gotten hurt both years he's been in the league, and he's also shown the tendency to fumble a lot last season. So I, I do think that there's that chance if it rears its ugly head again that he could get benched. And Carlos Hyde is the definition of meh. Like, that that's Carlos Hyde in a nutshell. So I, I don't think he's anything special at this point. And DJ Dallas fits what Seattle looks for. He's a tough and physical runner. 
He's 5'10", 217 pounds, so he's a big back, and he accumulated only 265 carries in his college career. So to have under 300 carries in your college career when players like Jonathan Taylor had 300 carries in a season, I think he's has a he's fresh legs, fresh body, and each year during college, his yards per carry, his catches and touchdowns all went up every sing, every season. So I, I think he just literally fits that physical runner that Seattle's looking for. It's young and, and ready to take the job. So I'm not saying I, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be the guy, but if Chris Carson were to get hurt, I think he'd be worth a, a if you take Chris Carson as someone you take as a, like your last round pick as an investment. My fantasy hero, DK Metcalf. We already know he's an athletic three uh, athletic freak. He's the 22nd wide receiver off the board, which is, I think, pretty insane considering what he already looked like in his first year. And in his first season, you already could see the flashes of speed, size, and athleticism. And you got to expect that he's going to get better in year two. Uh, he had he finished his rookie season with 11 catches for 219 yards and a touchdown in the two playoff games. So he kind of established that he was kind of becoming the go-to guy down the stretch. So I expect that he's also going to expand his route tree and not just be a deep threat, but he's also going to learn how to, to run better slants. He's going to run better cuts. And uh, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. In 2020, I think he's going to be the one that defenses account for the most, and I think he is top 15 wide receiver potential. And he could even get into the top 10, considering if if Wilson looks his way a lot more. And we we all know that the number one wide receiver for Russell Wilson usually does pretty well. And Russell Wilson has said this offseason he wants to throw the ball more. So I think they will actually start throwing the ball a little bit more. So I think that's only going to help DK Metcalf's value. My fantasy zero, Rashad Penny. And it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. On the field, he's been kind of mediocre except for a couple games. He's already basically expected to be put on the pup list, which means he's going to miss six games. And that's not counting after the pup list if they work him back slowly. He also has Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas all there. So I don't expect that he's going to be any kind of major contributor this season for them. I think he's – I would just stay away. I don't think he's even worth drafting him as a handcuff. I would pretty much – he's that kind of guy, hey, he's healthy at the end of the season. And DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, they both – don't work out, then you pick him up as a free agent pickup one week. I, I I wouldn't invest in him at all. And then my sleeper, I dug deep for this one for you guys. I didn't want to pick any Russell Wilsons here. I didn't want to pick any Chris Carsons here. So wide receiver John Ursua. Can anyone tell me where he's from? Oregon. I don't no. know why I made that up. <laughs> so he was the 19th to last pick in the 2019 draft out of Hawaii. He's five foot nine, but stick with me on this. Last year in the preseason, he caught four for 100 and also had a carry for 11 yards, so he's getting 25 yards per catch. The Seahawks have spoken about his elite quickness, skill, and versatility, and even though he only played in three games last year and had one catch for 11 yards, he's pretty much, him and Philip Dorsett are both fighting for the number three role. If you look at prior to Seattle's wild card game against the Philadelphia in, in January, um, it was less than a week after nearly catching a game-winning touchdown against the Niners in Week 17. I don't know if you remember that, Eric. Uh, Coach Pete Carroll expressed his excitement and literally said, he's such a natural, natural athlete. He's got magnificent body control and quickness. He's got excellent quickness, the kind that you get in and out of your breaks and change direction, stuff that best guys usually have. He's got terrific catching range. He scored more touchdowns and and he scored more touchdowns than anybody in college football in 2019. He scored 16 touchdowns. So as 
Pete Carroll literally says as soon as it clicks in, he's going to be a factor. And Pete Carroll, you know, doesn't talk about guys unless he's going to actually use them. So I think that's a big sign. Then you also have your quarterback, Russell Wilson, saying he knows how to get open. He understands the game plan. You guys, you saw him in the preseason. He makes great plays. He's a tremendous football player, and he's going to help us and make plays for us this season. So I, I think when you have your head coach and your quarterback talking a guy up who led FBS in 16 touchdown receptions in his last year of college with over 1,300 yards and 89 catches, I, I do think that he has potential to be the number three slot receiver for Seattle this year. David, I hope that you have some soap ready to wash your mouth out after such trash takes for a trash team. Here's my take. <laughs> Seattle wins the division this year. Ooh, Ooh. I like it. Do you think I, Russell – all right, let me, let me piggyback on that. If they win the division, do you think Russell Wilson is MVP this year? Yeah, I mean, last year they – I mean, they, they – what were they, 14-2 and two and 13-3 and three or 12-4? and four. Like, they were one game apart last year. They were arguably one of the best teams in the league last year, and I would have probably had Russell Wilson right up there with Lamar Jackson as MVP. Um, Crazy. He's um, never received a vote, though. I, I, It's true, and I um, I made a lot of crow last year. I consistently bet against the 49ers, and I consistently lost. Um, <laughs> but right up to the game, and then at least I got it back. I got it all back at the Super Bowl. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, you guys can't see this, but Eric was clapping at Dave, and then they just clapped him right back. <laughs> uh, I just don't think I'm not a. I've never been a Jimmy G fan, and and I also am. I'm very big on fading teams that are two minutes away from a Super Bowl and then blow it. No offense. Um, so, and by the way, Kyle Shanahan happened to be on this team that did it couple of years earlier and that team hasn't been back so all right david you're not welcome back after this episode. <laughs> they have all the talent in the world on defense but uh i i would i would take the value in seattle i'm sorry there bud oh that that's great that's see that there's a reason why dave works with espn he knows his stuff eric so you can't argue with it not saying i would be right but um i was wrong a lot last year with them so well i i, I mean i could sit back and watch you trash the niners all day but i will again I will try to save Eric the embarrassment. And right, I, got, we, I, got, I got two kids <laughs> put the bed. We don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the question of the week. This week's question the best NFL jerseys, past or present, of all time? And this is a loaded question, so I feel like there's so many directions we can go. But Dave, I'm gonna, as the guest, I'm starting with you. What's your choice? I'm going to be heavily, heavily, heavily biased and say the Miami Dolphins 1972 throwback jerseys being worn now are the best jerseys of all time. The fact that they can throw back to a time in history that they were actually good and there were awesome freaking jerseys that Larry Zonka and Bob Greasy and Paul Warfield wore. Um, I wish they would wear those every single week, and it would be a 90% vote if they pulled season ticket holders. Do you want the throwbacks, or do you want whatever freaking they have now? They would vote the throwbacks. So those are those the teal tops, right? Yeah, with the with the the orange stripes here. Mm-hmm. The doll back to the actual dolphin in the in in the hoop as opposed to whatever the mammal they have now floating on there. But it, it wasn't even like Dan Marino 
dolphin in the in the in the circle. It was actually like down here. So it was it was just a a really look it up after the show. A really cool '70s retro Dolphins logo that changed over time. I mean, I'm biased. They were that that was already gone by the time I grew up because the Marino Dolphins had different jerseys. But I go all the way back to the '70s, and you'll see it. The Dolphins wear them twice a year, usually on Monday Night Football when they get married. But they're really cool jerseys. I do like those jerseys. I, I actually was looking up some today, and I did see those, and they are pretty nice. Speaking as a non-Dolphins fan, so I can't blame you for that pick. If Eric? I if I was going to take the bias aside, I would go with whatever the hell the Steelers throw back to because they look like they're in jail. The Bumblebees? Yeah, it's great. Love it. Love oh, the Bumblebees. Dave, Dave, I was with you on the first one. I don't know about the second one. <laughs> uh, Eric, what about you? I love the Jags teal throwback of the early 2000s. When they had the, the old ferocious Jaguars logo. I've never heard anybody say throwback and Jags in the same sentence. <laughs> it's a sign of the times. Wow. Yeah, I, I have to be a pioneer in that aspect. Um, I just love that color blue. And to me, I, I can't think of another jersey in any sport off the top of my mind that is something like very similar to that. So um, shout out to Brenton. Probably only time I'll compliment the Jags. My pick is the Detroit Lions Thanksgiving uniforms. And right. I, I love that that blue that they have. Um, it's to me, it's um, the Detroit blue on that silver. Uh, it's just unreal. Like I, 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 it, One makes me think of Thanksgiving, which in itself is a win. Anytime you have a jersey that makes you think of Thanksgiving dinner. But then you also have, to me, uh, it's it's like also hi- a historic because they used that was their throwbacks from you know back in the day. So I think you have retro, you have blue, which is my favorite color, and then you also have Thanksgiving. So to me, that wins it, no argument. So before yeah, Thanksgiving, a lot of carbs. <laughs> so before John goes, John rejoined us. We went with Detroit. Jacksonville and the Dolphins, arguably three of the worst teams in the last 10 years. So, Well, let, let's do a fourth worst team in the last 10 <laughs> years because nobody beats just the classic Raiders black jersey. It's sleek, it looks good, and they haven't changed it in, in 50 years and they'll never have to change it. That's going to look darn good in Vegas, too. And, and David, I will say, I'm surprised you didn't go with those ugly yellow mustard Chiefs jerseys that are disgusting, but I feel like you like them. <laughs> No, see, I, I was like, I can't pick a cheese. I was like, I got to try to pick a different team. But, you know, if I'm picking my team, of course, then I, I love the. I need, they could wear literally like they could wear pink with black stripes and I would still like their jerseys. So but, I, I, I hope they do that. But, I hope they change but there's, their colors. there's a reason all these teams change their jerseys all the time. And the Raiders black jersey stays the same because it's the best. It's hard to argue that. Good point. <laughs> well, we all picked pretty bad teams for jerseys, but. I think they are pretty cool for the most part. Let's move to our last segment, our game of the week. For our game this week, we have two guys that love betting, as we mentioned earlier in the show. We have Dave, who obviously does sports bets for ESPN, so we had to make it a betting game. So this week's game is Super Bowl prop bets. I'm going to read 10 Super Bowl prop bets that are either real, some real, on Eric, you're going to like this, some are real, and some are fake. Can you tell the difference? Can you tell the difference? (laughs) Can you tell the difference between which are fact and which are fiction? You're about to enter a world 
Beyond Profits. Dun, 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 David, since this is a betting thing, uh, what are the odds for us to win? David, didn't you ask me off air before this started what one of my favorite bets I've ever made was? I forgot to mention the Chiefs minus 10 and a half, but go ahead. That's right, yeah. Like, we we did mention it off there, and he did hit. You picked the you corrected you picked the uh, score too, which was pretty awesome. Right. Um, so I'm interested to see how you guys will do on this one. Uh, there are ten wacky bets again. Some are real and some are fake. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read the ten bets. You're just gonna put true or false at the end. I'm gonna read you them again and tell you if they're true or false. You'll count how many you got right, and then whoever has the most wins. Easy enough. I'm using my son's boogie board. <laughs> love it deface that property <laughs> all right let's see who the real betting expert is number one the total number of donald trump tweets on february 2nd and again maybe these numbers may not actually be real i'm just going to give you numbers just to mess with you guys a little bit i'm going to say that the over under was 13 and a half that's All right, a, that's a hard over, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. Will Joe Buck talk about his past Super Bowl game coverages at any point during the Super Bowl? You guys know this is my job, right? Mayhem, go on. <laughs> may, may, you so may you better be not lose. <laughs> number three. Will any player finish with exactly 69 receiving yards? 69. Nice. Number four. Will a player leave a game and not return due to concussion-like symptoms? Is it bad if I keep thinking all these are true? <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a not necessarily one hundred percent accurate game because every single one of these can be bet somewhere. Depending on I wish you had told me what, what book are you using and then I would know the answer. Oh man, I let's see. I had to need some kind of mysterious because I mean, as far as I know, I, I didn't do like hours and hours of research, but I did scour the web and I didn't see some of these. So if you had given me the book, I would tell you which one. In fact, I should probably tell you which book they're at. Anyhow, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong game pick by me. Number five, which company airs the last commercial of the game? Is that a bet? Which company airs the last commercial of the game? Number six, the number of women claiming to have slept with Jimmy G during Super Bowl week. Again, depending on what the book is, but go on. <laughs> number seven, what color Powerade will be dumped on the coach's head after the win? Is that a, a real bet or is that a fake bet? That's the bet that I try to get SportsCenter not to show every year, but go on. <laughs> number eight. Who will the Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl MVP winner, thank first in their speech? God. Number nine. How many times will they show the losing coach after the game? Number 10, the last one. Will any scoring drive take longer than the national anthem? Ooh, that's a fun bet. 10 out. <laughs> really? Dave, I don't know if you'll get all 10 of these. Nope. We'll see. I, I think you threw a trick question in here, and um, I, I can't wait till we get to it. 
Okay. So I've bet on a few of these, so I know I got at least two right. Okay, so I will save my, my... One of my things at ESPN is to make sure we're compliant on air, and so I go... I am basically the police when it comes to what we can and cannot air at times, and a lot of the things you just mentioned are ones I've gone around and told people, if I ever see that on air, you're in trouble. But go on. <laughs> this, so I will say that this this list I got, and I did some further researching, but they, this main list is from the Gridiron Experts. Okay, so, um, so here we go. I don't think anybody got a perfect score. Go Number one. The total number of Donald tweets on February 2nd, that is true. That is an actual prop bet. Number two, will Joe Buck talk about his past Super Bowl game coverages? That is false. It is Troy Aikman who is the actual bet for his Super Bowl game experiences. Not Joe Buck. Did I get you with that one, Dave? Okay, all right. Number three. (laughs) Number three. Will any player finish with exactly 69 receiving yards? That is a true bet. There's Everyone. no way that was false. Everyone. <laughs> Number four. Will any pl- will a player leave a game and not return due to concussion-like symptoms? That is true. As as pretty bad taste as that sounds, it is a true bet. I know that's true because uh, when I was looking up the Patriots Rams, that was for Brandon. We were like, oh, Brandon Cooks. Oh my god. <laughs> the world is no shame. Number five. Which company airs the last commercial of the game? That is a false bet. The bet is actually for the first commercial of the game. Depending on where you're at, but sure. I got the trick there. <laughs> Dave, I got to stump you with one. I, I can't have you get a perfect score with my game. <laughs> my wheelhouse. We also do a prop sheet every Super Bowl. So The, the number of women to have claiming to slept with Jimmy G during Super Bowl week, that is a true bet. That is true. That ever airs on my company's network, I would be fired the next day. <laughs> how would how would they even judge that? Like people who tweet, like people. Who... Uh, so... I'm gonna mark down an X, but that's embarrassing. Go on. <laughs> so for that particular bet, the over was uh, one, and the under was one. So it's only like one woman, and uh, according to the the thoughts, it's basically. Just again, it needs to be more than one woman saying that they, they slept with him. So I guess since he was with a porn star, I guess it's kind of what makes it a popular pick. But I mean, he's also an attractive guy. Um, okay, next one, number seven. What color Powerade will be dumped on a coach's head? The bet is actually Gatorade. Yes, I knew that was the trick question. <laughs> mm-hmm. As we know, that is Gatorade that is dumped on their head. I hope all three of you got that one. Oh, of course. Number eight. Who will be the uh, who will the Super Bowl MVP winner thank first? That is a true bet, and according again to the uh, Gridiron experts, the you have a choice of a few as far as the teammates, which is three to two, coaches, which is twelve to one, family twelve to one, God three to one, owner twelve to one, or does not thank anyone five to two. Thanks themselves. <laughs> Thanks Allah. <laughs> number uh, number nine. How many times will they show the losing coach after the game? That is false. The bet was which coach will be mentioned first on TV after kickoff. So, again, mark yourself accordingly. And then the last one: Will any scoring drive take longer than the national anthem? That is true. That is a pretty funny one. 
I actually had enjoyment like looking up and, and finding these audio. I didn't think a lot of these existed. But all right. Now it's time to read the scores. Eric, what did you get? I had seven. Ooh, okay. John? I also had seven. For the win. Dave, it's your job. I will be disappointed yeah. if you did not win. What did you get? I went nine and one. The only one I missed was the Jimmy G sex one, which will never be bet on. So <laughs> and I had a feeling you threw that out there because the answer was yes, but I had to keep my morals knowing that there's no U.S. based book that would ever offer that. But well, you know, again, I I had to guarantee that you were not going to get a perfect score, so I held up. Go, up nine and one. The audience can't see it, but here's the uh, the boogie board from my six year old. Nine and one. <laughs> I love it. I love. It. I always will not get to see the get the appreciation of that. That is awesome. All I got to say is if I was within two of a guy whose job is betting for ESPN, maybe that's in my future. My job well, you got to get, get him right, Eric, which is, I think, the issue you run into. I'm, I'm up for the year. Over on Trump. Yes, God. Um, what else? What are the other ones? There's was, no uh, way a scoring drive doesn't last longer than the national anthem. Well, it depends if the Chiefs and the 49ers are playing. Over. <laughs> No, that that was good. I, I'm I'm I wanted to try to do something betting related, and we uh, I was like, what better way than the Super Bowl that you predicted? So, <laughs> so I, I guess we uh, we was it was just made for you. So that, that's awesome, Dave. Man, we really appreciate having you on the show. It was a, a absolute treat having you on, and we can't thank you enough for your time. It was fun. I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I do a lot of these different pods, but this is definitely the most interactive and fun one I've done. So We really appreciate it, man. We're really trying to grow. So when we have people on, like you saying that, it really means a lot to us. So we, we really appreciate it. Keep in touch, guys. Have fun. Good luck. For sure. Thank you. And again, if you want to hear more of Dave, he's at Dave D. ESPN on Twitter. Very interactive. Nice guy. So get in touch with him. Very knowledgeable guy. So thank you very much again, Dave. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.